0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. As always, thank y'all for joining me. In this episode, I will review the weekend series as LSU goes on to sweep the Sanford Bulldogs. I will give you my three big things that I learned from the weekend, how did I do on my get right, stay right picks, the SEC rundown, and please make sure to tune in as I will be joined by Zach Lee from Tigers Avenue to give me his take on the LSU Tigers weekend. As always, you can find the 60 feet 6 inches LSU podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other major audio platforms. If you are viewing this on the 60 feet 6 inches LSU Pod YouTube channel, please please make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any of the content throughout the year. On Twitter, the account is at 60ft6inlsupod. Make sure to hit that notifications bell and interact with me on Twitter as well. If you missed the last episode, I previewed the three game series versus Sanford. And as always, that podcast is linked on the Twitter account in both podcast and YouTube versions. So I want to say I have to apologize for canceling the live stream, the Instant Analysis podcast, on Sunday afternoon following the LSU series, but stay tuned because that is the plan moving forward to have that available on Sundays after each weekend series. I do realize that some of the SEC series for the Tigers will finish on Saturday due to a Thursday start, but I want to be consistent And make sure you know when to tune in. But as of right now, the plan is to have the live streams, the instant analysis with different guests on each weekend on Sunday afternoon around five or five thirty. All right, let's get into it. The final non-conference series of the year as Sanford came to town for the three-game set. As y'all know by now, LSU sweeps the series by taking all three games by virtue of the ten-run rule. Friday they win eleven to one. Saturday the Tigers win twelve to nothing, and then finally on Sunday. LSU finishes off Stanford with a 13-1 to victory. Let's get into it. Friday night, Skeens was on the mound, his usual spot, and once again, Paul Skeens continues to be dominant over the competition. I really liked what I saw of Skeens on Friday, whereas last week, if you remember, I did complain a little bit about him not using or showing enough of his secondary and complementary pitches, specifically his slider and his changeup. But we saw plenty of that on Friday night, almost as if they were listening to the pod. I doubt Wes Johnson has time to listen to the pod. But if he does, what's up, coach? Skeens did a really good job of sl- showing his slider early. You saw him flashing it already in the first inning. And I thought he did a good job of keeping Stanford off balance. Now, it's tough when they're going to gear up for 97 to 100. Unfortunately, the radar gun was broken after the first inning. But you saw him throw that slider, I would say, more in the first two innings and then in through his entire last outing. I thought he did a very good job early in the game of keeping his fastball down in the zone. Obviously, it's going to be tough to hit with two strikes above your hands, But early in the count, it was at the knees or below. So very good job by Skeens. And I thought it was a very efficient outing early on. He didn't try to strike out everybody. But in the end, he still managed to get 12 strikeouts on the night. Paul Skeen's line for Friday was six innings pitched, two hits, one won, one earned, one walk, 12 Ks all in 94 pitches. So to me, to wrap up Skeens, overall, another very good outing by the LSU Ace, and that's going to give a something else to prepare for when you look at the use of his slider in this past outing versus the Bulldogs. That's going to go along, obviously, with his four-seam fastball. He has a two-seam fastball that tails away or sinks away, really, from left-handed hitters. And then he also has a changeup that he's featured a little bit this year, but I imagine that pitch is going to come more into play during SEC games. In terms of the hitters, I thought they started off a little sluggish, but they managed to come around and get nine hits on the night. They scored in five of the six innings, finishing off Sanford with a sixth spot in the bottom of the sixth. Friday night, it was all about Jared Bear-Jones. As he nearly hits a home run in the second inning, one they had to go to review for and ruled it like the longest single probably else he will have in his career. As it hits the top of the fence, bounces back in, but they ruled that to be a single and he was also back in the lineup at first base, which was something not necessarily new, but Kay Beloso had taken a couple games away from Jones as he was in a little bit of a mini slump, but you saw Jones get back in the lineup with a vengeance this weekend. In the fifth inning, LSU is up 3-1, to one, and Jones hits a two-run bomb. And then again, Jones comes up in the sixth and hits another two-run home run to power LSU to the win. This was the theme of the weekend as LSU did an absolutely amazing job of finishing off the inning in the sixth. And this is what I mean when I say finishing off the inning. So in the sixth, you had Kling, who singled, stole second, scored on a Morgan single. Cruz then follows Trey's single up with a single of his own. Tommy White hits a double. Neil walks. JT flies out for the second out. And then Jones hits a home run. So that's scoring runs with two outs. That is stringing hits together. That is not giving away at bats. And that was just a huge theme for the weekend, and I'll I'll show you some of that on Saturday and Sunday, and they really put a cap on it at the end of the podcast. Following schemes was Raleigh Cooper. He's not on the MIA list anymore. He makes his first appearance since the Iowa game in Round Rock, so it was good to see Coop get in there. And easy peasy, Coop got back to his usual things, had another clean seventh inning for the Tigers. Moving on to Saturday night, LSU wins that game 12 to nothing. You saw Ty Floyd make his second weekend appearance of the year, and I thought he threw really well again. He did have a little bit of wildness issues in the third, and he really started to see him yank his slider. When I mean yank, that means his slider almost started on the outside corner to a right-handed hitter, and then it finished up in the left-handed hitter's batter's box. So just really kind of pulling that thing across his body, maybe trying to throw it too hard or do too much with it, but he seemed to settle down in the third and get out of that jam. Once again, as we know, Floyd's going to flash that mid-90s fastball with a change-up and a slider, all for strikes. And I've been very impressed with Ty so far, as he has been able to bust right-handed and left-handed hitters in with that 94 to 96-mile power fastball with two strikes. He's, you've seen him last weekend, and then once again on this weekend, two strikes, able to throw that fastball into a righty or into a lefty. And that's just something they're really not expecting. It's very tough for that hitter to pull the trigger on when it's coming that hard with two strikes. Floyd's line on the night was five innings pitched, no hits, three walks, six Ks and 86 pitches. Following Floyd was old nasty Nate, Nate Ackenhausen. He did relieve Floyd. And unfortunately he gave up the only hit of the night to Sanford as they missed out on a combined no hitter. But once again, Ackenhausen looked great. And that's kind of what we've come to expect in non-conference play, from Nasty Nate, two innings pitched, one hit, three Ks. So on the night, the Tiger pitchers dominated. Floyd has shined in his last two outings, and it's gonna nice. It's gonna be nice to see him and a step up in competition in College Station this weekend. From the hitter side of things, on Saturday night, they absolutely went off. Kind of a throwback to when I played with the Gorilla Ball era in the the, the mid to late nineties. Five home runs, accounting for all twelve LSU runs. Cruz had a two-run shot in the first. He had a phenomenal weekend. Always good to see Cruz missiles flying out of the box. Jones picking up where he left off on Friday night where he hit two home runs. He had a three-run shot in the first as LSU scores five runs to start the game. Jones is not done. He then comes back and hits another three-run shot in the third, and Joe Bear follows him up, so those guys go back-to-back. Then tanks not to be left out. He gets in the action in the fourth, hitting a three-run shot as Tommy Tanks begins to do more than heat up. He's really kind of on fire at the moment. LSU scored in three of the six innings they were able to hit. They showed off that pop, one through nine in the order. And what you really saw them do, every home run they hit was to the opposite field. Well, except for Joe Bear, he pulled his. But every everybody all the righties to the opposite field, anywhere from center over to right field. So those guys have got a ton of opposite field power. And that shows me, one, they're not afraid to go opposite field. Especially in this day and age of shift, and you see guys at the big league level, and even sometimes at the college level, they just refuse to hit away from the shift. They refuse to lay down a bunt. They refuse to get jammed on a fastball and hit one out of the way of the shift just to get on and to try to move base runners. They'll just stick with their plan and pull it, even if the uh, you know they have three guys on one side of the infield, or for a lefty, you see the second baseman or shortstop playing in mini right field, and just annoys the crap out of me. But LSU's hitter is doing a great job of going opposite field, and obviously several guys in that lineup have the ability to drive the ball out of the ballpark opposite way. Sunday, early start, a rare Saturday night, Saturday night game at the box. So you figure those guys had to get to sleep probably around 10, probably around 10, 30, by the time the adrenaline wears off. Butler maybe even later by the time they get back to the hotel and get all settled in. Time change, daylight like savings time. Don't get me started on that. Early start was an 11 a.m. game, and it seemed to show early on. But credit is due to the Stanford starter. I believe his name was Lynch. He held he held LSU at bay. He really did a good job of mixing his speeds up. He had a great two seam fastball, and that was moving all over the place into righties. He would backdoor it to righties as well. Even saw him busting some lefties in with that. And then he came with a breaking ball and a changeup. So hats off to him as he held LSU really at bay, which some of his other um, teammates weren't able to do in the first two games of the series. As you can imagine, college kids, I have one myself, they take forever to wake up, especially after a long night. It took LSU's bats a while to get going, but you knew eventually they were going to come around. And also Sunday, you saw the much-anticipated debut on the weekend of Thatcher Hurd after he threw Monday against Butler. So Hurd, he threw 73 pitches on Monday, He comes back to throw 85 pitches today, Sunday. And I thought he looked good, really good. Not as sharp as he did on Monday, not as dominant. But I'm going to attribute that to the fact that he threw two full games within a six-day time frame. And I think that's really the main reason why his velocity, especially on his fastball, was just a tick down to where Monday he saw him 94-96 for his entire outing versus Butler. But today he was really in that 92-93 range for the majority of time that I was able to see him. Heard slider looks sharp as it usually does. But I also think, you know, some people may not be as happy with his outing besides his slider, which is something he can throw at any time in the count. I also think this is why you saw a lot more foul balls uh, with the Sanford batters going against Heard. You saw a lot more extended counts, especially once he got into the third and fourth innings. Saw a lot of three, two counts. Once those guys got the three, two, you saw two, three, four foul balls by the bulldog hitters. Now, I'm just going to attribute that to maybe a little bit of tired legs, um, maybe that to uh, not as accurate or as much zip on his fastball as he had Monday night. Hurd ran into a little two-out trouble in the fourth. That was mainly due to him missing with his fastball, but his work, he worked his way out of it. On the day, Hurd's line reads five innings pitched, one hit, two walks, and seven Ks. For, so for all that to be said to where I think he he didn't struggle, but maybe not as sharp. Thatcher Hurt still goes five innings and only gives up one hit, right? He was still dominant and definitely good enough to beat Sample. Some of the things I've seen discussed on Twitter and you look around the internet, uh, I just don't know if people realize the, the toll that that takes on his body. You know, once he throws Monday, it's going to take him two days to recover in terms of arm soreness, you know, him to get back to his throwing program. He probably threw a very small pin on, I would imagine, Thursday, Friday, 30, 40 pitches, nice and easy, get a feel for everything, and then he's right back in the mix on Sunday. And to me, that's just understandable for his stuff to be just a little bit off. Hurd is able to throw four pitches for strikes, and he's able to throw those four pitches at any time. And I think that's what makes him a little bit different from any of any of the other LSU starters. He's got a fastball, the low to mid-90s. He's got a great slider cutter, whatever you want to call that, that's 88 to ninety. He's got a little bit of a changeup and he's got an overhand curveball that's around 80 to 82. So, a pretty hard overhand curveball. And while he may not have 97 to 100 like Skeens, he has the ability to throw 2 1 changeups, 2 1 sliders, the ability to throw 3 1 sliders and then throw it again 3 2. So, what he may lack in some fastball velocity, I think he has a ton of pitchability, meaning he can locate in and out with all those pitches and he can change speeds and throw breaking balls and non breaking ball counts. Now Hurd gets a full week of rest before he faces the Aggies in College Station. So another step up in competition for that young man. you got to remember, he only had nine, I think nine appearances uh, for UCLA last year before he got hurt. So he didn't get a chance to really get in the thick of Pac-12 play. So this is going to be a nice test for Hurd on Sunday in College Station. Are there going to be some adjustments that need to be made? Sure. Are there going to be some ups and downs maybe on Sunday for her? Yeah, that's to be expected. I would expect the same from Ty Floyd and also Paul Skeens, right? As more teams see you, as more teams get a book on you, and as these hitters get a better plan in terms of how you're going to attack them in the SEC with all the analytics and video that they have, it's Wes Johnson, those guys are going to have to adjust on the fly as well. When you look at the hitters, as I mentioned, LSU hitters had a little bit of trouble getting going early in that game, but the Tigers scored two in the third, two in the fifth, and a monster nine spot in the seventh to finish off stamp Excuse me. Cruz hits a two run home run in the third. Look, we know he can hit. He had a phenomenal week weekend at the plate, but I loved his defense this year. I put it out on Twitter. Cruz is a true gap to gap center fielder. That guy can go get it in left center just as well as right center. He can track balls down on the warning track. He has a really great sense of knowing how close he is to the fence, how many steps he has before he takes to run into the wall. He has a very good idea of when he's chasing balls down in the gap, when to look for the wall, when to get his eye back. And I think he does a great job coming in on shallow hit fly balls and diving at balls in front of him. So I don't know if he's necessarily picked it up on the defensive side, but you're just really seeing flashes of him this year, of how good of a true center fielder he actually is. Off my cruise sandbox here. All right. So in the seventh, Tommy White hits a monster grand slam to dead center. Great pimp job by that young man to extend the LSU lead. But here we go again with two outs. LSU finishes off the inning and really finishes off the game. So after White's grand slam, Joe Bear Case. Thompson then works a 3-2 walk with two outs. Jones singles. Malazzo, who got a couple of plate appearances this weekend, he's been swinging the bat pretty well coming off the bench. Actually really well. Malazzo hits a double. Dugas works another 3-2 walk with two outs. So that's right there. Thompson walk, Jones single, Malazzo double, Dugas another walk, 3-2. And then finally the freshman, Paxton Kling, monster weekend for that young man. He ends the game with a walk-off three-run home run. That is how you finish off an inning. And, you know, obviously they finished off the game. But that is how you extend innings and really just deflate the other team is when you have the ability to do that one through nine. Great job by LSU and their plan this weekend, and really getting out of that game with another 10-run rule victory. So what are the three big things that I learned from this weekend? First off, my keys to the weekend and the preview pod were good Good defense. They did that one error. Situational hearing, I'll get to that later. Could they keep Uncle Mo, the momentum on their side, as they head into College Station next week and begin SEC play? They did that with a sweep. And then who would start on Sunday? I didn't know if they would go Shores or Herd. Obviously, we found out the answer to that question as they go with Thatcher Hurd. So three big things. One, this team and this group of hitters, whether it's the starters or the part-time starters or the guys that are really come strictly off the bench, they do not give up at bats, no matter the inning or the score, so far through non-conference play. And you're probably going to say, yeah, of course they should, Chris. That's their job. That's what they should do, playing for the number one team in the country. I get that but there are plenty of college hitters, trust me, out there when their team is up 8 to 1, 9 to 1 in the 7th inning, that may shut it down or lose focus or not fight as hard on the 3-2 count that they would if it was the 1st or the 2nd inning, and this team does not do that. They're going to fight to the end, and there are too many people on this team that can take your spot. You have guys competing for playing time. I don't really like the saying iron sharpens iron, but it's true in this case. And those guys cannot afford to take an AB off an important situation. They may find themselves sitting during a midweek game and allow somebody else to get hot in their place. Number two, the starting pitching is different. They are super, uber talented. Obviously, it's it's evident to everybody. But once again, as of now, at the end of the non-conference schedule, you have to be impressed with what Wes Johnson and Jay Johnson have put together in terms of the starting rotation. Last year, as we know, they relied heavily on the bullpen, and in the end, it came back to bite them in the Southern Miss Regional. This year, you have Skeens, Floyd, Hurd, Shores, and Little that can all sling it, all with above-average velocity, and their pure stuff is just a notch above most everybody else up till this point. In the bullpen, it's a little undefined as of right now. I will admit that, but it has not had – they don't have to have defined roles as of right now. They don't have to have a defined closer as of right now, but I do think Wes Johnson has a plan for that late game situation when called upon in SEC play and to get where they want to get to the starting rotation is going to continue to have to perform. Now they're going to be facing deeper lineups one through nine in SEC conference play more talented hitters than they face in the non-conference. And obviously you would expect the amount of runs they get per game will decrease as those hitters face better arms in the SEC as well. But up until now, the starting pitching staff has been absolutely nails. This weekend alone, the three guys, Skeens, Floyd, and Hurd, threw 16 innings, three hits. That's phenomenal. I don't care who you're playing. It's college baseball. It's easy to hit a blooper, to roll over and hit a ground ball through the six or the four-hole. Three hits, 16 innings pitched, one run, one earned. Six walks, 25 Ks. That is massive heading into conference play. And then finally, the last thing I learned, this LSU team, the caveat as of now, and I hope this doesn't change, especially in SEC play, but they are finishing their opponents off. They're not letting them hang around. They're not wasting scoring opportunities. LSU as a team is getting the job done. And look, it's baseball. I get it. They're going to strike out when there's bases loaded. They're going to hit into a bases-loaded double play. They're not going to get the run home from third base with less than two outs. You can turn on the World Baseball Classic right now, enter any Major League Baseball game or spring training game, and those guys are doing the same thing. They're punching out with guys on third base. They're hitting infield pop-ups. They're rolling over with one out and a man on third instead of getting the run home. But LSU is doing a phenomenal job taking advantage when scoring opportunities present themselves. Here is the gold-plated money stat of the weekend. LSU scored 36 runs this weekend in a three-game set versus Sanford. Of Of those 36, 18 runs were scored with two outs. Half of their runs scored this weekend were with two outs. There you go. Impress your friends, your family, your baseball aficionados. That is how you finish teams off. That is how you finish innings off. And that is how you really debilitate or demoralize an opponent to where they think they're going to get out of a jam with no runs or one run. But nope, you don't only get one, you get two, three, and you extend the innings. And maybe you get another pitcher out the game and get somebody else warmed up in the pen and get that guy in the game. All right, get right, stay right list. How did your guy do on his picks for the weekend? So for get right, I had Joe Bear. I'm going to call it a push. He's still hitting the ball hard. He's having some bad luck. On the weekend, Joe Bear went two for seven. He hit 285 with a home run. He did not have in a bat on Friday night. And it's just kind of bad luck. Still hitting the ball on the screws. A lot of times it's right at people. He's always, seems like he's always up there in the exit velocity stat that LSU baseball data pull, puts up. But for Joe Bear, I'm going to call it a push. Get right, I also had Riley Cooper. I'm going to call that a hit for me. We hadn't seen him, it feels like, in two weeks. So he did get two appearances this weekend versus Sanford on the weekend, two and two thirds, one hit, one walk, two Ks. Great job by Cooper to get out there, get settled again, get a feel for all of his pitches. And as we know, he's going to be a massive piece of this bullpen moving forward. Stay right. Ding, ding, ding. I crushed it this weekend. I pat myself on the back. Kling, Paxton cling. That's a definite hit. Phenomenal weekend for that young man. He went six for 11. He hit 545. A double, a home run, six runs scored, and oh, by the way, no strikeouts for the freshman. He just continues to get better and better at the plate. He's playing fabulous in right field. You're also seeing his athleticism come through on the bases, swiping a couple bags, going first to third, and then obviously when he plays in the outfield, his athleticism is a major plus in right field. Tommy White was on the stay right list. That fool is crazy hot right now. That's a hit for me. He played third base on Sunday, which was great to see. See him get back out there in the regular uh, rotation in the field for the first time since he injured his arm in the first game of the season. On the weekend, Tanks, four for 10 with two home runs, one double, nine RBIs. And he followed Kling's lead, no Ks for Tommy Tanks. Very impressive. Then finally on the stay right, Nasty Nate at Nate Ackenhausen, another hit, chalk that sucker up. One appearance on Saturday, two innings pitched, one hit, and three Ks. So I hit really on everybody except for Joe Bear, and I'm going to call that a push. A new segment here on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod. Who was my player of the weekend? A lot of candidates to choose from. White, fabulous weekend with a grand slam and a home run. Cruz, seems like he could be a choice almost every weekend. Kling, I was really close to pulling the trigger on Paxton Kling, but ultimately I had to go with my guy, Jared Bear Jones. Jared Jones, a monster weekend for the freshman. Back in the lineup at first base, Andy H, 6 for 10 with four bombs and 11 RBIs. Hats off to that young man. Really happy for him getting his hit and stroke back, and he put on a fabulous power display. Really quick, the SEC rundown. So in the SEC East, we had Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, and Florida all sweep. Mizzou and Georgia took two out of three, and then Vandy took a hard-fought series victory versus Loyola Marymount as the Doors, I'm not calling those fools the Vandy boys, as the Commodores take two out of three in Nashville. In the West, Alabama, puke, gross. I don't know if you had uh, read your press clippings, or as your football coach likes to call it, it's rat poison. But they dropped the series to Columbia. Yes, that Columbia of the Ivy League, as they go one and two. A&M sweeps, so does Arkansas, as they sweep a very good Louisiana Tech team. Mississippi State and All Miss also go 3-0 on the weekend as well. And then finally, Auburn, who I think is a little overrated, they have a clunker as they drop the series to southeastern Louisiana. All right, y'all. I want to welcome in a good friend of mine, Zach Lee from Tigers Avenue. If y'all haven't had a chance to check out his stuff, I'm going to let Zach explain everything. But I will say he did an unbelievable LSU hype video this year for his um, him and his brother's channel, and I was very blessed humbled and honored that he let me do the voiceover. Look, I'm no Anthony Mackey, but I did my best to uh add some content to that unbelievable piece of work. But Zach, welcome in. And why don't you tell everybody where they can find, you know, you and Reagan's information and where y'all's stuff is located.
1: Well look, you say you're honored, but look, we were honored to get to have you on there. Uh you know, we did the the football hype video and it it, it did well. And so we were like, of course with this season, all the expectations, everything. Want to do a high video? We're like, well, we've got to get Demui to do it. Is obviously, <laughs> So, appreciated you doing that. Yeah, uh, y- y'all can go follow us any anywhere at Tigers Avenue. Uh, we're on all the major platforms. Uh, we we specifically stream to Twitter, uh, YouTube, and Facebook, but we're on TikTok and all that good stuff. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of old, Demui. I I know it doesn't seem that way, but like I'm not on TikTok. I I, I don't no. even, I don't even have a TikTok. Like everybody's like Zach, you're old. I'm like I'm only 26. Like, <laughs> but yeah, you're, I, you're I definitely know. not you're definitely
0: not old. And look, I'm four. I'm 20 years older than you, so I'm definitely not messing around with TikTok. So I think that would no, cringe, me cringe my kids out. But um, and just so everybody knows Tiger Avenue. They do all three sports. I just focus on baseball here, but. Reagan and Zach have had me on their podcast numerous times, really starting out last year. They were one of the first people, I think, to really reach out to me as I was just trying to figure out how to do this thing. <laughs> and um, super nice guys. I have a ton of to- a ton of fun whenever I go on y'all's show. And uh, I appreciate all the help in promoting mine. And, you know, we had to cancel the live stream today, but I figured if I can't do that, let me at least get Zach on the back end of the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. Since you were at the games this weekend or at one game. Yeah. And just we'll talk to you a little bit about – the Sanford series as we roll into conference play. But just let me get your overall thoughts, you know, just kind of a big picture view on the LSU versus Sanford weekend, you know, how you thought the Tigers did moving into conference play versus A&M next week.
1: Well, I think they did what they needed to do. Um, you know, I know that Jay like hates the seven run rule, you know, he wants to be able to get some more guys in there, but really, I mean, with, with how dominant this team was, he was able to do that. I mean, Today or what? When was it? Last night? I think it was today or last night. They they pulled they pulled guys kind of early. Yeah, uh, they did. Because when I was sitting in the bleachers last night, um, Gavin Guidry was already in there. And I think it was like the bottom of the fifth or something like that. He was already in there, had already subbed in. So I think Jay was able to work some guys in and uh, you know find out some more things about this team. I, I definitely liked the move um, in and putting Bear back in the weekend this weekend and, and yeah. trying to see if he could break out of that slump. And boy, did, did he, because um, man, he, he popped off this weekend. I thought that was overall a really, really big positive note from this weekend, because a lot of fans were kind of worried about that. Cause he started so strong. Then he had the slump yeah. and the strikeouts were an issue. You know, is he going to be somebody that we can rely on when we get into SEC play? And he definitely proved a point this weekend. Um, I still, and I think the biggest thing for me was, the today's rot- uh lineup and rot- uh, not rotation but the the, the lineup yeah. that was the most impressive thing to me cuz we saw finally time white go back to third right. and so maybe that was jay johnson tipping his hand a little bit uh to what we are to see moving forward kind of a more solidified lineup um i'm interested to see what what they do with beloso cuz he did you know he he's been playing really well and obviously me and you uh have been uh just bringing that bell to try and get him in the lineup a lot more often and regular. So, I, I want I'm interested to see what they do moving moving forward because we didn't see him a whole lot this this weekend other than when they subbed him in late in the game. I yeah. still think I still think he deserves a spot right now, uh, but that's why I'm sitting here and Jay Johnson's the head coach.
0: So <laughs> yeah, it's you know it's, that's a great point. It's it's a good problem to have. One, just like you mentioned, it was great to see Tommy White get back on the field. And I, I don't, yeah. I can't, besides that pop-up and I, I missed one or two innings here or there, but I can't remember him picking up a ground ball and throwing it. I could be mistaken. But, well, he um, did have
1: the one that was okay. to his left and I he, must had, have missed that he, he had thing. to go okay. get it. He had to go get it and he ranged a little bit and it was, it was really impressive to see. I, I mean, he looked fully healthy for sure uh, yeah. on the field today.
0: Yeah, it was good to see him. And then obviously Dugas back in there had a little bit of an eye issue, but it seems like they cleaned mm-hmm. that up. And then like you said, with Beloso, um, I thought he may get to start on Friday, but Jones goes in there, and he just goes bananas. Um, I would imagine he'll be the SEC freshman of the week. Got to be. And, and potentially the player of the week, really, when you look at his stats. But let's focus on pitching first. So this weekend we saw Skeens, Floyd, Hurd go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You saw those guys take the mound. And I was we've talked about it. We've texted about it. I know you all talked about it on your show. But when you, when you look at those three, do you think – is that the three you want to see – in the rotation for the SEC play beginning on Friday?
1: I do. Um, I think really this was the plan all along, uh, even at the beginning of the season, to eventually get to this point where we're at right now, heading into SEC play uh, with with Hurd slash uh, Floyd on Saturday, Sunday, either or. Yeah. But obviously with Skeens being on Friday, I think that was the plan all along for Jay Johnson. I don't know. That'd be a question I'd have to ask him, but – Um, I I do, I do like this rotation. I personally would love to see a little bit more of Chris Little, but I think they have used him phenomenally. And I mean, when Grant Taylor went down, you're going, who's going to be the closer? And me and Reagan talked about it. And prior to Texas, you didn't really have any clue of who that would be. And we talked about before Texas, you know, when are they going to get the opportunity to actually need a closer? Yeah. Um, and boom, Texas happens and they actually have the need to get it, to use a closer and it's Christian little. That's who Jay Johnson trusted. I love, I love Christian little in the closer role. Um, yeah. if, if he's not closing, I would, I would want him starting at, or at least on the midweek. So yeah. I, I am really, really high on Christian little. I would not be opposed at all to see him, you know, if, if one of the other guys begins to struggle, you right. know, later on in the season, him get inserted. I would love to see that. Um, but this this three right now with how they're all three pitching because they all looked phenomenal this weekend. I understand it's Sanford, but they did out and they, they went out and they did what they were supposed to do. They exactly. were hitting their spots. They were dominating. All three of them were dominant this weekend, and so, yeah, I fully believe that that's the three I would like to see moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a great point you brought up about Little, and I I, I, I agree with you there. To where if somebody falters, I think you could see him take over a spot or, or even if, you know, let's say heard or even Floyd, if, the, if one of those guys has, has a bad outing, my bad, maybe they have trouble getting through the fourth. Yeah. You The good thing now with this pitching staff is you have depth and you have guys that can stretch out, you know, Cooper can stretch out, you know, Ackenhausen can give you three to four. Um Dutton is kind of your emergency guy. You've seen Edwards give you up to four and then little, obviously he's got power stuff. He can give you three to four too. The question is, what do you do with Chase Shores now? What do you, yeah. what's, what is the plan for that? I mean, the guy at the ceiling is, you know, the sky's the limit for that young man. What do you what do we think they do with Shores?
1: I, I think he becomes the, the weekday guy. Uh, yeah. I think we'll see him on the weekdays um, probably pretty regularly. I mean, I, I don't know for sure what they decide to do with him. Maybe he becomes a bullpen guy. But, I, you know, if, if he's going to be somebody that you start grooming, you know, to be a in the weekend rotation, uh, you know, down the line next year or two years from now, whenever that is – you know, I want to see them begin to groom him and get used to that, which, of course, he was doing that on Sundays. But now that he has been put back into the bullpen, you know, maybe they need to consider the weekdays, uh, the, the midweek games, so that he can, you know, begin to better his craft for way down the line. And I know Wes J- Johnson is going to do a phenomenal job with him. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, he he looks really good. He's still young, you know. And we haven't seen him quite have like just this dominant outing yet. You know, he's he's kind of been good here and there. And then they've kind of – I mean, he hasn't stretched, I don't think, super long uh, unless you can tell me otherwise. I, you're the no, stat I guy. He, so. No, no, no.
0: I don't, I don't think he's really gone past four that I can remember or four complete. Yeah. So, um, And, I, and I, I've said it before. I've said it on other people's podcasts. I've said it on Twitter. I think he's the perfect midweek guy. Yeah, because LSU LSU plays good competition in the midweek. You know, they play ULL, they play potential regional teams. Lamar could be a three seed in somebody's regional, you know, and he can go out there with less pressure. It's not the SEC. He can go out there and go four or five. If he gives up a couple runs, that's fine. And then everybody, I've seen a lot of people talk about putting shores in the bullpen. And I just want to remind everybody, I'm not trying to get on my soapbox here, but coming out of the (laughs) bullpen is just so much different when everybody was a starter in high school, coming out of the pen is, is very different in terms of some guys cannot get loose very quickly. It takes them you know, 30 minutes to get loose. Some guys are not able to have one pitch for a strike whenever you come out of the bullpen, which is what you need. And some guys don't like throwing out the stretch. That's something obviously starters, you know, the goal is for them never to do that, right? But they don't do that as much as guys in the pen. So that's just a different mindset, a different mentality. Can freshmen do it? Absolutely but I'm sure they've had those conversations with him and he just may not be comfortable doing that. So yeah. I think that's a lot of people want to see him close and, and he, maybe, maybe he could. It's just, I just think people just can't assume that everybody just because you throw 98, then you could automatically close and be effective. You know, yeah. that's just my opinion. All right. A lot of candidates <laughs> for this honor. This is something new I'm going to start doing. I think on these review pods, a player of the weekend, man. You got some guys to choose from. <laughs> All right, Zach. Who is your player of the weekend for the Tigers?
1: Well, I, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go off. You know what you usually do. Get right, right, stay right. Okay. 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 I see you. Get get right. I mean, it's, it should be pretty pretty obvious, right? Bear Jones was phenomenal this weekend. No doubt. I mean, he had. No. I mean, he had. What was it? Four home runs this week. Should have had three. Uh, right, because on Friday night they yeah. ruled the one. You know. Uh, right. That it wasn't a home run. what I didn't get to see that play, but Reagan told me it hit like the back uh fence line it was, or whatever. It was,
0: it was a weird play. Yeah, it's like it hit almost like they have like a little bit of fencing beyond, right behind the yellow line, and it looked like it hit that and it popped straight it back up.
1: Yeah, I'm like, yeah, above the yellow line. Is it not a home run?
0: I mean, it was.
1: I mean, it may have
0: been six inches above that yellow, yellow line, but
1: yeah, he could have had three on um, Friday night. Confusing. But anyway, yeah, either way, but like, I mean. He, he was just pop. And what's also really interesting is he went oppo a couple of times this weekend, Yeah, right? No doubt. Uh, went dead center, went, went, uh, went and left. So really, imp- it, it kind of sucked. I got to be honest because, you know, we, on Saturday, I'm like, we can, we're in left, we're in left. And I'm like, we could get something. And everybody <laughs> went oppo, yeah. and, which when Tommy White came up, I, I literally was sitting by my little brother and I was like, he was like, is he going to hit a home run? I was like, if he does, it's going over there. Right. <laughs> and sure enough. Bing! And I was like, there it goes. <laughs> I know. What did, you, so, what did you get to see on
0: Saturday? What, five home runs, lead the yard yeah, on Saturday, I think? Yeah. Of
1: course, Bear had two. Uh, Cruz had one. Yeah. And then White had White. one and Joe Bear and Joe had, Bear had one. one. What was the um,
0: – I'm going to be honest. I hadn't stepped foot in the stadium. I watch a lot of games from home just because being an ex-pitcher, the view from behind the pitcher, I just love to see how those guys' stuff is breaking, where they're challenging hitters. It just – and sometimes when you go to the stadium, you lose that vantage point, you know, mm-hmm. you just I just like to see that as a pitcher. But what was the atmosphere like, you know, a rare Saturday night game at the box?
1: Yeah, it was It was, It was. was good. I, I loved it. You know, it was a Sanford game. So it wasn't as highly attended as per se, you know, Tennessee in a couple of weekends is going to be, you right. know. So I, I don't know if I could give you the, the full effect of it. You, you <laughs> might have to get somebody that goes to the Tennessee weekend and ask them. But yeah. regardless, it was really good. Um, I mean, it was. I mean, for the most part, it was it was filled up. I mean, there's there are spots here and there that were kind of empty. But I tell you what, I, I have grown to love the outfield seats. I really, really? Love it. You can, yeah, you can see everything, and then yeah. you have the opportunity for a home run to get hit your way. So I mean, what's what's better than that, you know? So, uh, but the yeah. atmosphere was really good. I really enjoyed it. I always loved going down there. We spent we spent the whole day there Saturday. Uh, of course, got to go see Mike, but yeah, I'm 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 excited to. It's not going to be our only game this this year, obviously. Uh, that was just the first one, so I'm go. hoping uh, to go to Baton Rouge uh, during a SEC weekend series. Hopefully, here soon, and probably get a better uh, assessment of what the atmosphere will be like. Well, they got they got some amazing ones coming up, right? LSU starts off
0: SEC play that's coming up weekend at College Station facing A and M. And then you have two massive home series back to back, right? You got Arkansas coming to town, and then you have—I think everybody has circled this when the schedule came out, right? Tennessee coming to town, and that thing is—you yeah. know—it's going to be a matchup of obviously two top-five teams, and Arkansas is in the top ten as well, and um, just going to be amazing the next couple weekends at the box. But in your opinion, they've rolled through the non-conference. They had that one hiccup versus Iowa. And we'll see how Iowa finishes. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they're a regional team down the road. Um, they had they had some troubles this weekend in college. Uh, excuse me, in Lubbock, because they lost two of three to Texas Tech. But do you have any questions or things that are nagging on you, or any issues you see for this LSU team as they head into SEC play?
1: Yeah, I, I think I want to see a little bit more, or I should say, a little bit less of the swing and miss. Seems like right now, especially on Saturday, I mean, they're hitting home runs. That's all they're doing yeah, right. for the most part. Of course, Tommy had a, had a double that was really impressive. But I would like to see, you know, a little bit more situational hitting. You know, we yeah. have struggled in the past. I wouldn't say it is a, like, a flaw right now, but I would say a concern is this, is situational hitting because we've had games where they have left a lot of guys on base. Right. Uh, and a lot of that has been because of the swing and miss. Uh, I mean, they're either hitting it to, uh, past the fits. Or they're not hitting it at all, Uh, and we've seen some of that. Uh, I I wouldn't say right now that it is a major concern, but could it be going to SEC play and and facing better arms? Yeah, definitely could be. And the other thing I would say specifically to LSU fans, and I'm trying to say this to myself, right? Because as I mean, you know, we get we get on here, we do this podcast, and we give our opinions and everything. But at heart, we're still a fan, right? No doubt. At heart, we're we're always going to still be a fan. So the fan in me is like, man, we look really good. Texas A and M doesn't look that phenomenal. Like we're about to blow <laughs> past them, yeah. right? And what's ironic is LSU was kind of in the same situation last year whenever they hosted A and M, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, w- correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they sweep? Didn't A and M sweep LSU, or was they? No, I think they took one. I think they took two. I think got, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and then to be honest, it was I think right after right after LSU went to Florida, that's when I decided to do the podcast. So I paid attention to them last year, obviously, but uh, not as much as I did <laughs> after the Florida after. series, but, but no, I, I think you're right. It's um, everything changes in terms of, I think the fans need to realize they're going to be facing better arms, yeah, better lineups. You know, sometimes when you get into these uh, non-conference series or midweek games and you get into the pen, a lot of these teams have a lot of vulnerability, you know, just not the quality of arms. And it's, You know, I've started doing a little bit of betting on college baseball, and uh, you saw ACC's play started this weekend, and it's just really tough to sweep conference opponents. It is. You know, like Miami hammered North Carolina State Friday and Saturday, and then you turn around on Sunday, and North Carolina State beats them 14-4. to So that Mm -hmm. just just kind of reminded me that it's just tough. Any conference, even if it's a bad team, and if you're playing like Missouri or Kentucky, or a lot of people think Alabama's fool's gold. It's just tough to sweep teams in the conference, you know? And I think mm-hmm. if you can go 20 and 10 and you can go two and one every weekend, I think every LSU fan or probably every SEC fan will take that right now, you know, because that's, that's really what you're looking for.
1: But yeah, I, I, I would love that. I'd love that you know, if, they, if they had that record, but yeah, I would just, I'd, I'm like cautiously optimistic, right? Cause, cause I mean, we could go to college station and you know, that stadium be rocking. And, yeah. you know, Texas a m gets hot. And that's what happened last year. So yeah. could it happen again this year? Maybe. We'll see. Uh, you know, how do, how do these guys do uh, on the road in an SEC game? That's going to be what we're, we're going to learn this week. You're
0: right. Yeah, I think there's definitely some guys that haven't experienced that, uh, more so from the pitching perspective versus the um, hitting perspective, I yeah. think. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun, you know, but I think – And this leads me into my next question. Now, this is a little bit off the wall, but not off the wall, but y'all do a great job of covering really every sport, right? Women's basketball, men's basketball. I've seen y'all go live and y'all talk about all the topics, right? Y'all are hot and heavy in football season, doing football stuff. And I knew you were going to come on and I wanted to ask you this question. So if you look at the kind of Scott Woodward hires, right? You got Kim Mulkey, Brian Kelly, and now Jay Johnson. They're all in their second year. How would you... I mean, it's super subjective, right? But how would you compare the Jay Johnson hire to those other two? When you're looking at women's basketball, is not that's probably the fourth major sport, right? Mm-hmm. So, you looking at three of the top four major sports, and obviously we know how basketball did. But when you look at Jay Johnson, his pedigree from Arizona, him coming over here, and what he's been able to do with the baseball team so far, just kind of in the uh, beginning of his second year, you know, what do you make of that hire so far? When you compare that to Mulkey and Kelly?
1: Well, you know, I'd say. First off, I think it's a great hire. Um, yeah. I think with the talent that LSU brings in and the way that Jay Johnson runs a program, it's just, it's an ingredients for success. So either way, it's, it's a phenomenal hire. Now, like when you're going to compare it to the other two, um, you know, I would probably say, to be honest with you, that Probably the most impressive hire out of those three is Kim Mulkey, considering her track record and right. considering, you know, you you plunked her from a school that she had won three national championships at. <laughs> yeah. You know, to be able to do that, <laughs> right. that is extremely impressive, right? So I'd I'd probably put, you know, the Jay Johnson hire and the Brian Kelly kind of somewhere in the, along the same lines because, you know, Brian Kelly's he's been to the college football playoff, hasn't been able to win the big one yet. But he's been there. His teams have been competitive, um, and you know that's that's similar with Jay Johnson with Arizona. He, he's brought him into the College World Series, didn't win yeah. it, but his teams were competitive. And I over overall though, I just think Scott. Wood, I mean Scott Woodward's a phenomenal AD. It's it's just is what it is. As LSU fans, you should be blessed to have Scott Woodward as the AD. I, I really think um, you know LSU turned things around once we hired him as the AD, and you are, you're seeing the the fruit of that right now with what's going yeah. on in football with what's going on in women's basketball. And, you know, right now what's going on in baseball and I will see how the season plays out. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of expectations to live up to for this team. Um, And, you know, last year I know it was kind of disappointing because a lot of people thought, you know, we'd at least make the super regional and we did. Right. But a lot of people don't understand, like Jay inherited a great team but he didn't inherit a great pitching staff at all. Mm, no. um, and he had to completely turn that around this off season. and boy, did he. I mean, you do, I, I mentioned this on our podcast, uh, on our last podcast. You know, Blake Money, I love Blake Money, but you haven't hardly seen a whole lot of Blake Money, right? Yeah, you're right. This, it's a great point. Mm-hmm. And he was your Friday night guy to start the season last year. I know ultimately Mikael Hillier kind of took over, but I mean, he was your guy to start the season and he was one of your weekend guys really for, for a large part of last season. So, and now he's a guy that, you know, he comes out of the bullpen every great now and then, Um, you know, so yes, expectations were high for Jay Johnson, but, and yes, he inherited a great hitting team, I believe, but, you know, he still had to do a lot on the pitching side of things, and he has. And so now we're seeing, I think, this year and next year, you know, is going to be um, where we can do a more proper assessment uh, of how Jay Johnson is doing as uh, as the head coach in LSU. And I fully believe he's going to do phenomenal. Now, <clears throat> we may have some people, you know, let's say they, they get into a super regional and, you know, they get upset and they don't even make it to Omaha. You know, right. we're going to have fans freaking out. You know, because yeah. this is arguably one of the most talented baseball teams that we've seen in college baseball. And for them to not make it to Omaha would be disappointing. And I, I would agree. It'd be disappointing. Um, but we look at Tennessee last year and how awesome of a team they were. Yeah. And when you get into the postseason, man, and with especially with baseball, you just don't know. You just don't know. I mean, a pitcher can come – I mean, you know. A pitcher can come in and just completely shut down that lineup.
0: Yeah, especially, especially now, it was so much different when I played, right? there were in their Super Regionals. You just had, um, you know, you had six teams come to your Regionals. You know, I think eight, six-team Regionals. Yeah. And so uh, the two out of three changes everything, right? The Super Regionals, just because you can get a hot team, like Ole Miss, they caught on fire last year, and you have two hot pitchers come in or two hot pitchers and two guys out of the bullpen. And it, it all takes some timely hitting, and those guys to stay on yeah. fire from the mound, and, and things can definitely change. But um, I think Jay Johnson, you know, kind of surprised me with the hire. But you look at how he's building this program—portal guys to plug and play. He's building it with the number one recruiting class in the country, and those guys, as you can see, with three stalwarts in the lineup with Jones and Neal and Kling—and it's something to be excited about, you know, for years yeah. to come. So,
1: do you was- you know, he wasn't the first choice for Scott Woodward. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, he is a Scott Woodward hire. And if you trust if you trust Scott Woodward, then you need to trust Jay Johnson. I fully trust Jay Johnson with this baseball team. And so I'm I'm really looking forward, especially obviously this year, but for the years to come for L S U baseball with Jay Johnson.
0: Yeah, I think people may have had to 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 get used to him a little bit, but I think last year you saw he was just Doing whatever he could to win baseball games, and like you yeah. said, he just didn't have a strong starting staff. The strength of that team lied in the bullpen, besides the hitters. They could hit, but I think he's starting to make this team and this roster into what he wants, and it, it's paying immediate dividends. Now next year is another re- almost a little bit of a rebuilding year. That's a long way to come. We just need to appreciate this year, and y'all need to appreciate Dylan Cruz. Anybody listening, awesome. if you're not appreciating Dylan Cruz, the
1: guy's phenomenal.
0: And so, Skeens,
1: uh, man. I mean, we're gonna I'm, we're gonna miss Skeens, Cruz, Morgan, and Dugas. We're, yeah, you know, all four of them. They're gone. So you got got to appreciate them while they're here.
0: I'm ready to see Skeens getting conference play because that's that's you know the rubber meets the road really. So uh, mm-hmm. see if you can continue to maintain that dominance. But that's gonna wrap us up here on the 60 feet, six inches LSU pod. Zach from Tigers Avenue, tell them one more time where they can find you and Reagan stuff. And also, don't forget to mention. I know y'all do some live streaming. And just remind everybody out there when y'all go live, dates, times, stuff like that.
1: So y'all can uh, follow us, subscribe to us, like us, whatever, on uh, basically every platform at Tigers Avenue. Uh, And then if y'all want to watch us live, you can watch us live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, We we typically go live on Mondays and Fridays. Sometimes we tweak that a little bit, uh, especially during the baseball season because of the baseball games on Friday night. Uh, but looking forward to this next show, uh, the show on Monday, which I, I guess you're releasing this on Monday. So today, yeah, this is going I guess, out Monday, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today, I guess I should say uh, at 8 p.m. We will be going live. And uh, thanks to you with Matthew M- Musso. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah. Musso is a solid guy. Very good baseball guy. That's the good thing about the LSU community, right? There's no shortage of really, really good and knowledgeable baseball people to follow. For sure and i'm I'm always there to promote anybody, right? Musso, Hunt, Matuk, y'all, whoever it is, you know, the more we can spread the love and and spread the you know the word about the game, you know, grow the game. everybody says I'm all for it. but y'all make sure to go check out Tiger's Avenue, follow all their stuff. Great guys, they have a good time, really knowledgeable. They cover all the sports uh, in addition to baseball. So, Zach, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate you coming on. I'm more than happy to come on anytime. I'm glad we could hook this up after the live stream kind of got messed up, you know?
1: Yes, sir. Appreciate you.
0: So that'll do it. Make sure y'all subscribe to the YouTube YouTube channel at 60 feet six inches LSU Pod. As always, y'all can follow me on Twitter. That is at 60FT6IN LSU Pod. That's gonna do it for the review of the Sanford series. Up next on Wednesday, I will release the review of the UNO game. So LSU plays UNO Tuesday, midweek. And then we're going to get into SEC play, baby. It's here. It's time. It's ready to roll. There will also be a preview of the Texas A&M Aggies. Look for that on Wednesday afternoon. Plenty of time to digest that material before LSU takes on the Aggies in College Station on Friday. So until next time, y'all stay safe. And as always, go Tigers.